On the show this week, I talk to Martin Brooks. He's an impactologist. We chat about creating a greater impact in your pitches and presentations, how to convince, influence, and motivate others. Welcome to episode 152 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy and keynote speaker from Edinburgh, helping you keep your marketing strategy simple and the BS at bay. Hi everyone and welcome to the show. Thanks for downloading or streaming the Marketing and Finance podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to plug me and my guests into your earphones. Do you know what an impactologist is? Neither did I until I met Martin Brooks. Now, whatever business you're in, whether it's financial services, other professional services, anything to be honest, you need to be simple and clear in your communications, in your marketing, when presenting and when pitching. That's what Martin's all about. We talk about what an impactologist actually is, how a background in the travel industry shaped Martin's career as a communications and sales trainer, combining psychology with communication skills to convince, influence and motivate those you're speaking to, using tone of voice and rhetorical techniques to push home a message, how Martin's digital coaching process works and cuts out the tedium of travel, and how to keep your audience's attention and stop them reaching for their mobile devices. So let's get straight into that interview with Martin right here on the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Martin Brooks, welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you. Martin, tell me, where are we Zooming each other from today? I'm in Edinburgh as always. Uh, well, I'm here safely ensconced in Shed Quarters in St Albans in Hertfordshire. Shed Quarters, does that imply that you actually work in a shed in your garden? Yes, this, the, the home office is a four metre square, uh, fully insulated electricity, heating the whole thing office in the garden, give me peace and quiet to do my work. One of my previous guests, Janet Murray, who's a, a, a quite a famous PR guru, works in what she calls her she shed in the garden so is is it a is it a he shed or is it more like a man cave made out of wood i'd like to think it's non-gender specific i'll, I'll, I'll stick with shed quarters <laughs> so you describe yourself martin as an impactologist and yes. that's a fabulous thing for us to talk about and to examine and to, and to discuss how you can help the listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast. But before we get into examining what an impactologist is, maybe give me a little bit of background about where you came from and how your career developed and what your ambitions are and basically what makes Martin Brooks tick. Aha, uh-huh. what, a, what a good question. Well, my background is sales and sales leadership, and then for the last 15 years, running my own my own training and development company. So I started work back as a retail travel agent back in the days before the internet, in the days where the only way you could book a flight was to phone up the airline or actually to go to a travel agent. So I was a travel agent, and that was my my first what I would call real job coming out of university. And that's, that was biz, classic business to consumer. So business to business to consumer sales. And I really took to that being Irish. I had the gift, gift of the gab. I, I like talking to people. I like interacting with people. And I was selling a product I was very passionate about. Travel was my, my first love. And I spent six years in that company, rose through 
the the ranks 18 months in my, my passion was awarded by being sales consultant of the year i went on to work for a tour operating company again my favorite destination in the world was africa and that was a sales manager for a company that sold over overland safaris in africa and i worked then after that for a car rental franchising company an american company sales and marketing director there and i looked after because we sold national franchises i i looked after europe and the middle east so my background was sales and sales leadership inspiring other people and running sales teams and then in 2002 i set up my own consultancy looking at training and development my original idea being to be the the training company for the travel industry which seemed like a, a marvelous idea i thought i discovered a niche what I hadn't anticipated was that the internet was about to kill the travel industry as we knew it <laughs> at that point in time. So to to use a word that, that covers up the, the panic that ensued from that, I pivoted to my business model and started working with a lot of larger training companies as a contract trainer. And I they would say, well, can Martin, I just get a phone call, Martin, can you go and run a three-day senior sales leadership program in India or America or Russia, even Kazakhstan, I went to a couple of times. And that got me traveling all over the world in businesses, also in business schools. One company that I worked with did a lot of work in executive education. So London Business School, Judge Business School, Chicago Booth University. And great experience. And every company that I worked for, I think it was 17 companies the last time I checked, they would always want me to know all their models and all their best stuff. So they all taught me all their best stuff, which gave me an incredible exposure to different tools and techniques around how to be a more effective communicator. And all those things came together. And I wanted then a couple of years ago to think, right, well, I've, I really want to have my, my own clients do my own thing, have a little bit more control over what I'm actually running and where I'm running it. Traveling all over the world sounds glamorous, but once you've done it for a while, it becomes very, very wearing. And I live 23 miles away from London. And I thought I really want to be working either with clients uh, close to me or utilizing the digital platforms that exist. It means I can talk and work, interact with clients, but not, not necessarily without them or me having to get on a plane. And the question really was, if you're going to go out there to a market, that's good. Let's, let's face it, you know, hundreds of, of independent consultants with varying degrees of experience, then you can't go out into that crowded market as a another business coach or a another soft skills trainer. So the question was always in my mind, what, is, what do I want to specialize in? What's my sweet spot? What really makes me get excited about getting up and going to work? And one company that I worked with ran these modules at London Business School called Personal Impact. And that was very, that all of a sudden brought together elements of communication that I was very, very interested in. I'd always been fascinated by psychology. I've studied various different styles of, of psychology and influence. I've always been fascinated with body language. So that I get introduced to the work of Paul Ekman, the scientific advisor behind the very popular program starring Tim Roth called Lie to Me about body language and the impact of body language. One company that I worked with always paired me up with a voice coach. Very often they were Royal Shakespeare Company trained people. And I learned a lot about the voice and how the voice can create uh, impact. And also introduced to rhetorical language techniques, the structures that you will see in advertising, particularly prevalent in politicians in the way that they, that they speak. And all of a sudden, elements that I was very, very interested in 
all came together and I was able to give advice to senior executives and go, this is what you're doing well. This is what you could do differently. Oh, and by the way, these are what the top communicators in the world do differently. And you could start doing that. And I found out a particular flair for spotting things that other people wouldn't necessarily notice. And a number of senior executives said to me, well, nobody's ever given me that feedback before. Why is why has nobody ever noticed that I do that thing with my hand or I, I stammer in that particular way or I give away clues about my discomfort through my body language? And that comes back to my own personal experience having a daughter who's severely physically disabled but is cognitively bright right. and she can't she can't speak but i spend when i'm when i'm with her i can ask her closed questions she can do something that's called eye pointing point with her eyes so i can hold my right hand up with my with my thumb pointing up and my left hand with my thumb pointing down and ask her yes no questions and she would look at the appropriate hand for that answer and uh, but I would, but I'm paying attention very closely to her facial expressions, her body movement, her moves, the sounds that she would make to ask her the right question. Are you uncomfortable? Are you hungry? Or, or do you want to go over there? Do you want to watch something else on television? So I, w- I built up what psychologists would call sense, higher level of sensory acuity, just looking for more detail, not as an academic interest, just because I desperately wanted to be able to ask her the right closed question and, and be able to help her, her communicate. And then translated into the business world, when you do that 8, 10, 12 hours a day, depending upon what day of the week it is, anything that you exercise, any muscle that you exercise that length of time, you get stronger and you get very good at it. So I find that there's, there's almost this perfect storm around my sales background, my knowledge of these different areas, my experience with my daughter that really enabled me to bring all of the knowledge that I gathered from over 30 years experience of being in sales, sales leadership and a trainer to be able to give really high quality feedback and advice to people that would help them take their communication skills to the the next level. That is all fascinating. And, and way back to the beginning of that, when you were talking about the travel industry, my goodness, we could have lots of conversations about that. <laughs> and I've spent a lot of my career traveling all over the world as well. And you're absolutely right. It does wear you down after a while. Yeah. But I, I guess describing yourself as an impactologist, really to summarize everything you've said there, you've used your experience as a salesperson to give people the ability to to create a bigger impact in whatever environment they're in. So if they're doing a presentation in front of a big audience, you'll be able to help them give a greater impact in terms of putting a message across, maybe selling a concept or motivating people. Or alternatively, if it's an executive in in a boardroom, you'll be able to enable them to give a greater impact getting people to make a decision around a project or making a decision around an acquisition is that is that effectively what you're doing you're just helping people to communicate better to get better results Uh, absolutely i mean business people are always after what they call competitive advantage what is the one thing that we can do differently better or faster than our competitors to give us that opportunity for success and the framing that i would often talk about to clients is is the one that was was given to me by a senior sponsor of a financial services organization i was doing sales training with during the london olympics and we were in london and there was the pilot program and they were they were some senior stakeholders were observing the the program and uh, i was using the olympics because you know what's happening up the road it's a major worldwide <laughs> event and i was using that as reference points for making the, the points from the sales training that i was making and the sponsor came up to me at lunchtime. He said, you know, I'm really happy it's going well. People are very engaged. 
And I noticed you using the, the Olympics a lot. And I said, yeah, I've got a little bit of an issue w- with that. And I said, okay, so you know, well, tell me, what, what are your thoughts? And he said, well, there's a major difference between sport and business. And I said, well, what's that? And he said, well, in business, there's no prize for coming second. So, but like sports, the distance between first and second can often be infinitesimally small. And that's really the frame of reference that I use. It's like when you're going into those competitive scenarios, be it a major sales pitch, be it pitching to venture capitalists for investment in a new business, be it pitching internally for resources in terms of time or money or staff or whatever it is, you want to be able to put your your case, your business case, as well as you possibly can. And always that little bit better than everybody else that you're up against. So they can give yourself that competitive advantage through through much more advanced communication skills. And that's in terms of how you do it. But also with my sales background, you touched on it there, be able to actually advise people on literally what to say. So I've just been watching this morning, a keynote from a a client of mine who addressed 400 people in Cairo last weekend. And I gave him some feedback about his last big presentation that he did, his last big keynote. I said, look, maybe change the order of what you say. Maybe do this instead. Maybe say that there. And I just, I just spent the morning laughing, just watching him do this keynote using words that I had said, using my ideas to, because he is absolutely dedicated to improving his craft being on stage. And that, and so it was taking that advice to be able to give him that competitive advantage to be, to be rebooked, we thought of more of an expert and ultimately to make, to be, to be more successful. And that's what it's all about, but being more successful and helping people to, to do that through advanced communication skills that make a greater impact. That's really interesting, Martin, because actually the story you've just told there about the keynote speaker mirrors some of the experience that I'm having at the moment because back in big corporate time, I used to be a prolific speaker. I was out on the road talking all the time. And I guess sort of uh, 15, 20 years ago, I was what you would probably have described as the king of death by powerpoint and um i mean people used to book me and people used to have me back but i used to be the death by powerpoint king and after after i sort of um rose higher and higher in big corporate and got sucked into more political meetings and regulatory meetings and all of that sort of shit i sort of got out of public speaking since i've left big corporate and i've set up my own consultancy it's been a real goal for me to get back into it and and i've invested quite a lot of time and money in almost like retraining myself you know so out of the window go the powerpoint slides you know i use maybe a few pictures if that a lot more questions asked instead of telling the audience and and a lot more focus on the message and getting people to buy into the message so i can can resonate with the example you gave there as of your keynote speaker that you've been coaching so let, let let's take it as an example somebody like myself then who's looking to improve his presentational skills what's the process you would take so you imagine it was me or somebody like me what would be the process that you would take me through um to get me on the road to being better okay so well as you said in your introduction you're based in edinburgh i'm based in st albans the traditional way of doing that would you'd one of us is going to have to pay for some transportation some overnight accommodation some living expenses to be together and to actually work on your skills and teach you stuff and give you feedback etc cetera, etc cetera. now one of the one of the things that some of the people i've worked with who are very advanced in technology to challenge my my business and myself about well how can we really utilize this 
these this whole world of digital and technology and what it can actually do. Mm. So what I do now is I have a digital coaching offering. And of course, I can get on the plane and go and see people and work with them face to face. And that's still an option that's there. But the digital coaching option, my clients are really, really appreciating because we don't have to line up times. It's much more cost effective. And uh, I explain the way we do it, which means it's easier for them to access. So what I would say to people is, okay, so send me, uh, often it's keynote speakers, I'll say, send me your, a link to your most recent talk on, that you've published on YouTube or you've published on LinkedIn. Mm. What I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll watch it. I'll, I'll see what I think. Then what I will do is I will record a voice file of feedback. And I'll pick, generally speaking, I'll pick three key areas. And then I'll, what I'll do is I'll say, so a key area, let's first say, for example, is that I noticed in the opening, as I said to somebody just two weeks ago, I noticed you um seven times in the first 60 seconds. And in this day and age where the mobile phone is so prevalent, you can do so much on it. I always say to any keynote speaker, your biggest enemy is the mobile phone that's in everybody's pocket. And then thinking about have I got a new email? Has somebody just contacted me? What's that notification on LinkedIn? Oh, who was that just retweeted my tweet? So your biggest enemy is is capturing and keeping their attention on anything that makes them think that you're not a credible or confident speaker. Mm. For example, the, the higher prevalence of ums than a professional speaker may well make. Then what I'll say is, okay, so here, here notice what you did. You said this at this point, and then I'll play a bit of it. They'll hear it. And then I say, so here's a tutor technique to stop yourself from saying, oh, and I'll go through it and, I'll, and then I'll, I'll demonstrate it. And I send that voice file back. I, I Quickly, you can just email that through, back through. Then what people can do is they can watch their keynote back of their presentation back. And, and, and I will say at two minutes, 13, this happened. Did you notice you lost eye contact there or you weren't, you, you, you had a, did a, a, some body language that looked apologetic or when you started to talk about your price, the pitch of your voice went up slightly, which would make people nervous. Well, why are you unsure or unconfident about saying that's your that's your pricing? And I would give very, very specific feedback at specific points in times where people did things. And then I would give them very specific advice about what to do differently. Well, I can email that back. Then people like yourself could watch that, watch and listen to that when it suited you. We don't have to align diaries about when I'm available to give you that feedback and when you're available to actually listen to it. You can do that whenever you want. And then I normally schedule then a phone call after that where I'd say, so I gave you advice. What have you done or how's that worked? And we can can do some extra coaching or tools or techniques to be able to do that. And maybe even then, if somebody doesn't have something published, then they can just use their mobile phone. They can record their talk, the new talk that they're doing, and they can, you know, Dropbox that to me. You can Dropbox, you know, massive files. I can download it. I can watch it. And then I can give feedback again through a voice file that people can listen to whilst they're watching the presentation that they sent me. Always looking for where are those little tweaks, those little tips, those new things that they could do differently just to create a greater impact and give them an even better chance of coming first rather than coming second in the competitive situation that they're in. And is it the entire speech 
or presentation or whatever it is that you're helping people with? Or are you actually expecting them to come along to you, Martin, and say, okay, here's a speech that I've prepared, here's a presentation that I've prepared or a pitch, and you're effectively refining it for them and polishing it and making it better than it was? Or will you actually go right to the start and help them put something together from scratch? Yeah, uh, all of the above. I've worked with one uh, person, one keynote speaker. He said, "Look, I'm good, but I want to be great." Yeah. And you know, you you I know having worked with you, you can tell me things that'll just give me that extra little advantage. The other end of the scale, I've gone along with people, and I've sat in their their boardroom, and I said, "We got this pitch coming up, and we have ten minutes to do it, and this is what the people who are pitching to have told us we have to do, and we will literally start the process." Now I'll sit there with them, and I'll go, "Okay, what are all the things that you'd like to say?" And we just put, I said, "Put one." thing on a post-it note we'll cover a wall and post-it notes and i go right so we get 10 minutes of those key messages now we've got to figure out some narrative there what's the structure there now and then when we've got the structure we've got the key messages we've edited out some things that aren't as important then we've got to think about well how do we make that that come alive rather than just as a series of facts or a series of ideas so is it metaphor is it a story is it a video clip that's going to make that point really well how can you validate and bring it alive? Always have that thought about keeping people's attention so they forget the fact that they've got a mobile phone in their pocket. They're so enthralled with what they're actually hearing. And then it comes over, once we've got what I call the, the messaging or the design part of the service, then I can start to focus on the delivery. Then I can start to help people with those presentation nerves. It's a lot of research into confidence, what it is, how people can talk themselves into unconfident states, how they can how they can use their, their body, their breathing, or their brain to get themselves much more confident. A body language, are they gesturing powerfully? Are they standing powerfully? Are they making good levels of eye contact? Voice, does their voice, say for example, their pitch, does it say credible? Or do they get a little bit nervous when their voice goes up here? And it just all sounds a little bit Mickey Mouse and slightly shaky. Yeah. Well, famously, why my, uh, Margaret Thatcher, for example, had voice coaching to bring her voice down. A genetic scenario within within the genders is that typically most women tend to have higher pitched voices than than most men. And when any either gender get more nervous, our pitch tends to rise. So, the if you particularly if you're a woman in a man's world, one of the things that I often have to do when I'm doing voice work with women is to help them bring their pitch down and with men is to put more vocal variety because they're spent to be speak deeply and slowly which is no coincidence that that's how hypnotists speak to actually Mm. put people to sleep and if you want people engaged and make a positive impact then most of the work that i do with men is about vocal variety putting emphasis on keywords and putting that emotion so if something is a this is a key concern or this is incredibly exciting you know, think, putting the, the emotion in the voice. So the second part of the service is then all around how they deliver that message. And that can be managing their confidence, body language, working with their voice, or the words that they actually choose. You can create a lower level of impact if you're using words like try, hopefully, should. If you replace all those with our goal, our aim, we're confident, we feel assured that this will happen. Again, these are all tiny little things that build up to that big 
cumulative impact. And then there's the whole world of rhetorical techniques as defined by Aristotle in his book, The Art of Rhetoric. So things like triples and contrasts and speaking in threes, all key techniques that work on the conscious and subconscious mind to really create that great impact and people buy into you, buy into your message and buy into the call to action that that presentation has right at the end. Do you know, it's interesting that I just said before that I've spent quite a lot of time almost like retraining myself in presentation and speaking. Mm. But one of the biggest lessons I ever learned was probably one of the very first presentational skills courses I ever went on, and we're probably talking about 25 years ago now, (laughs) was that trainer on that day taught us how to vary our tone of voice and Mm. also the speed at which we talk and you know even today when I do presentations I'll get people say do you know what really stood out with you Roger when you did your presentation is the way you varied the pitch of your voice you know one minute it was slow Mm -hmm. and maybe a little bit quiet the next minute you'd raised it a little bit you'd speeded it up and then it was quiet again and the impact you know it's it's surprising what great an impact that variation in pitch and variation in in, in tone can have on an audience and I think a lot of people don't realize that and you're absolutely right if you get somebody who's just talking in a monotone and a drone all the way through you either reach for your mobile phone and start fiddling or you'll just go to sleep like you said yeah I've I've worked with a client a, a couple of months ago and I said well the good news is if you want to leave this corporate life behind and go and work as a, as a hypnotist you have the perfect voice for it <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to engage your stakeholders and get them to do things we've got some serious work to do <laughs> and and the the metaphor that I use and which people very often get is that our brain is designed to tune out constant noises so, for example, if you get on, a, most people would agree, if you've certainly ever been in the vicinity of a plane when it takes off, it's pretty noisy. And when you first get on a plane, it's very noisy. But once it's reached cruising altitude, it's no less noisy, but we, we, our brain is able to tune out that noise because it's a constant. It's not varying. It's a constant. And similarly, if your voice doesn't vary, it becomes a constant. And it, your brain is conditioned to start tuning it out. Never mind the fact that the number of executives that have run a presentation by me and with a line that goes something like, we can't tell you how excited we are by this project. And you think, no, you're not. You don't sound excited at all. So why should I be? So it's about that. You're right. That vocal variance is incredibly important for engagement, for buying, and ultimately for motivation to act, which is what any presentation should be. There should be a key thing that the person is supposed to think, feel, or perhaps even do right at the end of it. So you've built a very successful business helping people make more impact in their speeches, their presentations, and their pitches. Martin, what's gone really well for you in your business, and and what maybe hasn't gone so well, and what have you done to change your approach to compensate as you've gone along? Yeah, I think one of the things that that has been a a challenge earlier on is just when you create a, a unique name, when you as an idea, as an impactologist to describe what I, what I did was, you know, I did have people, well, that, that just sounds stupid and <laughs> that word doesn't exist. I, I even had a wonderful conversation with somebody saying to me, you've misspelt it. It doesn't have two T's. And I'm thinking, I invented the word. I designed <laughs> it. I'm sure nobody went to the founders of Google and told them they'd misspelt it. And But it's, it's interesting when you get that kind of feedback, you, there is always that wonderful point of do i take it on board are they right or am i going to persevere and poke through because maybe this is just 
people's own insecurities or they don't see the value of it. And it's, it's an interesting conundrum. And there were a number of times where I thought, well, maybe they are right. Maybe my, in, my, in my desire to create a unique product offering that people are going to think it's stupid. And I had to work through that in terms of my own offering. And, and thankfully, you know, I'm, I'm not 21. I've, I've been around. I turned 50 next year. I've been doing this for a long time. And I was able to draw on those experiences. And certainly the initial clients that I work with and feedback that I had, they, when they really said, you are really on to something. This is, you're telling me things, you're helping us do things and I'm unsuccess. So when I helped a catering company win an eight million pound deal with British Airways, when I helped the startup company win first place on a, an accelerator program, when I see very successful keynote speakers stand up and say things that I told them to say and come back to me and go, yeah, and that was the best speech I've ever done. And then you think, you know what, I am on to something here. And then during the general election a few years ago, uh, doing started doing interviews on the BBC and the BBC introducing me as a subject expert. And I did a lot of radio. And then during the Welsh Assembly elections, actually appeared on BBC Two and Wales Live in the post-analysis show. And then you go, you know what, I, I do something that's of value, it's recognised, I've got that credibility. And you, you, you would get that confidence. And I think in any new businesses, I think there's always, and they're good. You know, I think if, if people were just absolutely convinced from day one that they were onto the right thing, they probably never critically analyze their business. So I think that's good, but not to be overawed by it. And also to challenge your, your, myself around, well, how do I do this business? I'd always done traditional training, turn up in a room, help people. So I, I challenged myself when I was working with somebody who's very into digital. Well, what's my digital offering? That's where the digital coaching actually came from in terms of, well, how can I utilize this technology of, of, of you can share big files, you know, you can record voice memos on your phone and just email them to people. And thinking about, so the challenge, that was a big challenge. And I'm doing a lot of that now, that digital coaching. And it really works because I can do it when it works for me. People can listen to it, it works for them. And they can fit it around their busy schedule. Sometimes with really busy executives, the biggest challenge is finding a point in time where you're both available to actually have a conversation on the phone. Never mind meet up face to face. So it's always been a, it's been the last couple of years about about building that confidence, knowing where the the value is, and then challenging myself to to really offer it in a in a, in a dynamic and unique way to clients, so that makes it accessible to them and being open to feedback along the way. And that's been a really, really important part of, of building the business and being able to add that value to the clients. And what would you say was the number one thing that you'd like those people listening to the Marketing and Finance podcast today to take mm. away from all the experience you've had building your business and becoming an impactologist? I think the key lesson for me is always value. What is it that you do that helps your customers? What competitive advantage does it give them? How does it make their life easier, make them money, save money, or give them, give them, or do things faster? It's always about that that value point. And I would very happily say to people, I'll, I'll give you thirty minutes of my time. I'll 
I'll listen to what it is that you say. And I will guarantee you that I will pick up some things that if you change, improve, do differently, will help you make a, a greater impact. And that will give you make those first places more likely and those really frustrating second places less likely. So it's, it's, I think the big takeaway for me is always in the commercial world is always about, it's about value. It's about differentiation. And I think with the digital coaching offering, it's about ease of access to your product or service. I do like that ease of access that you've created with your digital service. That's really good. And, you know, it's so nice to not have to jump on a plane and travel halfway across <laughs> the country and stay in a hotel, like you've said, just to be able to do it like this over Zoom or you know, or have somebody record some feedback for you is such a change. And I really do like that about the, the model that you've put together. So, Martin, we've talked quite a lot about you, your business. What I also like to explore with my guests on the podcast is stuff that other people are doing that's impressive you so has there been a marketing campaign or it could be a product or a service that you've come across recently that's really impressed you tell us what it was and what you liked about it i think the the, the business that has really impressed me most over the last few years has been amazon mm. what, what what they've done just gone from from selling books and really thought about well how can they combine existing technology so to be able to offer their customers a, a service that wasn't really wasn't available. So you know, Jeff Bezos utilizing. Well, okay, so we want to we need we need this thing called the internet. Oh, great, somebody else has done that. And we need the, the ability to be a, a platform to be able to distribute products. Oh yeah, well, UPS or other DHL or other companies actually do that. And we need to be able to take money over the internet. Okay, so credit cards and PayPal and all these other people. Well, they've done that. And what he did was just combine all of those elements uh, with real customer focus so early purchases with amazon and getting an email saying your product has been dispatched your product will be with you in an hour you should have had your product by now if you hadn't please do let us know oh by the way now you've had your product are you happy with it you know is there any other feedback that you wanted to give us and that level of innovation and customer service and making it easy to buy stuff i, I has really really impressed me now recently they're offering the service uh, they've just launched the, uh, the name of it temporarily escapes me, but they're offering like a little gadget that you can put on your door and you can actually give the delivery driver the ability to open the door and pro put that product inside. Uh, I guess called KeySafe or something where they, they have this little product and bolt it to your door Then and you can sit there on your mobile phone and watch the, the delivery driver open the door, place your product in the door and close it again. And I think what an incredible use of, of technology to, to what a colleague of mine says, remove friction points for your customer. I mean, if you live in a, in a built up city, the people are, are stealing stuff that Amazon are leaving at your front door. So it solves a real problem and it uses the existing technology to take away friction points. So I think the company is, that's, and that's, that's, that's such a recent thing. So I think Amazon have really impressed me because they've looked at what's already there and say, how do we combine this in a way that takes away friction points for customers and makes their life easy and has great customer service uh, along through it and utilizing the, the technology platforms that are there. So I think that Amazon would be a, a business that's, that's really, really impressed me over the past few years. And what about a business book, Martin? Have you read any business books re recently that again have made you sit up and think, yep, yeah, I can really buy into that? Yeah, that, that, that's one of the reasons why I need a four-meter by four-meter shed quarters is the number of business. 
that, that are that are in here, and some of some of which are, are yet to be read. I, I've seen the title, I've read the back page, and I go, oh, I, mu- I must read that. There are others that I have read numerous times and will read again that are, have have really impressed me. I think uh, certainly how to win friends and influence p- people has been something uh, a book that, despite all the been written many many years ago that there, Dale Carnegie, there are some wonderful business lessons in there about how to interact successfully with other people when that was, when there were no technical ways of doing things. You know, the book was that, written that long ago. That's a great book to read. I think more modern book, Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why. Yeah. Uh, what you know people don't buy what you do they buy why you do it what's that what's that grander purpose that people can buy into so yes they want to hear the what they want to hear the how but what they really want to hear is 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 the why and if you think about it from a marketing point of view or a communications point of view then i'd have to mention malcolm gladwell's uh, tipping point which i think is a fantastic book in terms of getting that message out that wonderful marketing term that i love stickiness you know does your message stick rather than going in one ear and straight out the, the other. So those would certainly be three key business books that I would I would say that I've read once and will definitely, uh, certainly How to Win Friends and Influence People I've read numerous times, uh, but certainly Simon Sinek Start With Why and The Tipping Point Mark and Gladwell I've read a few times and will be reading again. And I've read all of those and I would agree with your reviews <laughs> on them. All, all good stuff. Martin, it's been fascinating to talk to an impactologist today. And uh, whilst I suppose it's slightly jargony, I think that the way you've built it into your business and the way you describe it and the results that you've been getting for your customers probably justifies that little extravagance into jargon there. I'm hoping that people listening to the podcast might want to get in touch with you, Martin. So what's the best way that people should connect with you? Yeah, the easiest way is is through LinkedIn. And that, and just although their last check, I think 234, other Martin Brooks's. If you put Martin Brooks and then space and just type in the word impact, that will normally bring me right up to the top. And people can easily follow me there. I regularly publish articles with free tips and tools and techniques. So people have got an opportunity to be able to look at what I I do. One of the last articles I had has the link to my my BBC appearance where I'm I'm, I'm two-minute interview on bbc2 so they can they can see, see what i write they can l- listen to me i do my stuff and if they want to connect uh, and or ask me a question then they can do that easily i think linkedin is probably the the easiest platform to to get hold of me fantastic and i'll put a link to your linkedin profile in the show notes for this episode which you can find at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash maf that's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash M-A-F. Martin, it's been great to talk to you today. I've really enjoyed our chat. Thanks for coming on the show. Let me wish you every success in the future and no doubt we'll be able to hook up for a coffee in London sometime in the near future or maybe even a beer. That sounds fantastic, particularly the latter. Thank you very much for your time, Roger. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the apps and books and topics we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. I'll catch you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business.